Welcome, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us for SpireCast. I'm Dave Stone, uh, coming to you live from Louisville, Kentucky, and uh, sitting in a Southeast Christian office, and excited to be here with you all. I'm especially excited because the, the SpireCasts have had going on to have a life of their own. This is the 11th episode. If you haven't seen some of the ones in the past, they're all very practical information. They share some of the best ministry ideas, and they show how each one of us as Christian leaders can, can actually put those things into practice and, and take action steps. And that's what, what today is all about. Uh, so I'm excited. If you have not watched some of those in the past, I want you to know that they are on demand. All you have to do is go to the Spire app, and you can cherry pick some of those ones that you'd like to watch from, from the past but I'm especially excited today because uh, Jeff Walling is going to be joining us uh, along with Dallas Jenkins. Uh, Jeff Walling uh, has been a good friend for probably 20 years. Uh, he went to the University of California at Irvine. Hey, Jeff, thanks for joining hey, us. Hey, Dave. Uh, it's good to be uh, with he, you, man. Great, great to have you. Uh, he works at Pepperdine University. He's the head of the Youth Leadership Initiative. But more importantly today than all of his experience at Pepperdine and in Located Ministry is the fact that he has done an extensive amount of work in storytelling. And that's one of the things that we want to talk about today. He, he got his uh, degree in speech and communications. He got a doctor. Uh, he, he got his master's degree from Pepperdine. He's also received uh, an honorary doctorate uh, from Hope University. But what I love about Jeff is when he opens his mouth, you, you are compelled to lean in and to listen because he is an effective storyteller. So, uh, Jeff, welcome from Malibu, California, an early morning for, for you. But uh, we know Jesus told a lot of stories. We know Dallas is going to be talking to us about how we can become more effective in our video testimonies and a lot of other ways of, of storytelling. But talk to us for a minute about the value that you see in storytelling and, and how you've used it throughout your ministry. It's a hallmark of every time you speak. Well, thanks, Dave. Let me say thank you to Spire for the great work that you guys are doing and encouraging ministers, church leaders all across the country. And thank you for that very sweet intro. You read that just like my mom wrote it. So I uh, I, I appreciate that. <laughs> um, and as, as far as, as stories go, you know, Jesus could have chosen any manner of teaching, but he chose stories. This fall, I will be teaching here at Pepperdine, of course, for freshmen on storytelling that will use Jesus's parables. Now, think about this. Here are stories that are nearly 2000 years old. Right. And we're going to be examining them for their staying power. I mean, we're praying that a lesson that we present will be remembered for seven days, much less for 2000 years. So uh, how to use story like Jesus does, how to, how to make it stick. That's uh, one of the greatest gifts that any preacher can give to their congregation, as far as I'm concerned. You know, there's a lot of times when uh, I will be out someplace and uh, I, I didn't realize that uh, my radio, my sermons would be put on radio and they were on about every day in, in, in different places in, in Louisville. And I'd be at the post office and someone would come up to me they say, hey, I listened to you this morning. And I'm like, oh, what, what, I, and what I, was I know what the next line is. I know what the you next line is. I love say. that story about. Yeah, I love that story. In fact, it breaks your heart sometimes. You have this deep theological thing. <laughs> but that story about that lady in that truck, man, I love that. In fact, you realize, Dave, you're in my challenge 
is to make sure that those stories are married closely enough to the good stuff that they can't think about the lady in the red truck without thinking about atonement or whatever it is you're telling the story about. I apologize for jumping in, but I had to see if I was right. I'm, I'm, you're exactly right. And they, they usually can't remember the title. They can't remember the three P's that I worked so hard on, but they always would say the same thing. Oh, it's a story yep. that you told about your dad. Oh, it's a story about when you were on that roller coaster. Oh, it's a story. And, and that's what they remember. Hey guys, right now we're going to jump into uh, Dallas Jenkins. I'm going to introduce who Dallas is. If you don't know, if you have watched the chosen, you'll know who I'm talking about. And that's why you want to lean in and, and listen. This is a 15 minute interview. When we get done with Dallas, we're going to jump right back to talking with Jeff about uh, sermons and storytelling. And we're going to talk uh, about the elements of a story. So watch this with me. Dallas Jenkins is the innovative creative behind the record-breaking faith-based TV show, The Chosen. The first season is already famous as one of the highest crowdfunded media projects ever proposed. Dallas hopes to completely distinguish the series from other past portrayals of Jesus. He believes that sharing this story over multiple episodes provides the perfect way to do this because the viewers will be able to dig deep into who this man was and what his story was. Thanks, Rick. Churches and Christian organizations are notorious at muddying the water and lacking clarity. As Christian leaders, we don't always celebrate the wins. And sometimes, because the truth is, sometimes our people don't know what a win is. Sometimes we don't know what a win is. But a consistent thread that's found in thriving ministries is that they have found a way to tell their stories, to drive home what is a win. And today we are joined by Dallas Jenkins, who is a master storyteller. He's got a lot going on. He's at the set uh, at The Chosen in Utah. Dallas, thanks so much for joining us and being a part of this. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, I'm talking to you right now. We're less than a week away from filming season two. And I'm in uh, Utah right now, uh, about to uh, head out to the set tonight, actually. Well, we're, we're excited that you took time to, to be a part of this at Spire. And it's been a great conference thus far, and I know you're going to add a great deal to it. Uh, when I think about the value of a story, I know you grew up in a storyteller's home. And uh, I know you have this streaming app, The Chosen. We binge watched it. We've watched it several times. Uh, all the episodes of season one, you're the creator, you're the director, you're the co-writer of it. Uh, and I understand it is the, the largest uh, crowdfunded project of all time. I know this sounds like Donald Trump, but in the history of the world, the biggest, the largest, the hugest, but it's true, isn't it? Everyone agrees. Everyone agrees. Everyone um, agrees. Yeah, uh, yeah. The chosen season one happened to be the for, you know the, the fortune of being the number one highest crowdfunded media project of all time, and it was actually based on and the thing that that actually launched the whole crowdfund, the thing that raised the ten million dollars for over nineteen thousand people, was a short film that I did for my church, and uh, I was actually working for a church at the time when this whole thing was conceived. So that's why I'm excited to talk to leaders because. I've actually sat in those uh, very seats before uh, hearing others share their wisdom uh, or hopefully wisdom about uh, storytelling and how to maximize uh, what we're doing at our at our churches. And in and, and Dallas, uh, I, I want to say to everyone that if you haven't seen The Chosen, get the streaming app. 
and, and watch it. But what's significant is it is the, the deepest and, and greatest character development that I've ever seen of the disciples and of Jesus and the development of the humor of Jesus. Uh, so talk to us. How did you cut your teeth on learning how to tell stories? Well, as you mentioned earlier, I grew up uh, in a storytelling household. My father is Jerry Jenkins, who wrote the Left Behind books, which is what most people know him for. But he's written, uh, coming up, he's about to write his 200th book here in the next year or two. So he's, wow. uh, he's pretty prolific. So I, I was always raised in, in that environment. And what's interesting about it is I was raised in churches where my dad was kind of the breath of fresh air of storytelling because I grew up in pretty conservative um, fundamentalist churches and uh, not known typically for media, not known for, for enjoyable storytelling. And uh, my dad, I remember just always growing up, whenever my dad would be asked to speak or share, um, it was all, he was always really honored as like the, the, the resident storyteller. And uh, so that I, I always grew up around that notion and seeing how much people loved reacting to and how good they felt when they got away a little bit from maybe a break or a diversion from the the same old same old you know and and actually got you know funny stories or and I know that's that's your love language I mean and that's when I went I attended southeast for several years and sat under your preaching for several years and uh, storytelling was I mean I, I would I would say a, a extraordinarily key part of your of your preaching as well. Well, I, I remember, thank you. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm always drawn to storytellers. And I love the fact that you got a lot of your experience by working on testimonial videos at a church. And talk to me a little bit about how that shaped your storytelling and maybe sharpened, sharpened and honed your skills. Yeah, so in 2000, I started making films and I was living in Los Angeles for 10 years and, and had a various degrees of success making feature films. And then I got a job at Harvest Bible Chapel in Chicago. And the idea was that I would come there to make movie. And uh, that was right around the time that the Kendrick brothers had started making movies through their church. And so the idea of a church being a place where you could have the resources financially and otherwise to make movies uh, was an interesting possibility. So that's what I came there to do. Well, for the first couple of years, we didn't get a movie made. In fact, I was asked to help lead the video team and the production team on the weekends and and uh, so for a couple of years, my primary responsibility from a video perspective was telling testimonial stories. So we would take stories from the church, people who'd had their lives changed. And my job was to turn them into like a six minute testimonial video. And that was when I was thinking to myself, well, this is really not what I signed on for. This is a step down from making movies. Now I'm just doing these little videos and I'd never done videos before. But what I found is that about two and a half years into it, when I finally got a chance to make a short film for our church, um, the first film that I was able to do since I'd gotten to Harvest, I realized, oh my goodness, I am 10 times the storyteller and the filmmaker that I was two and a half years ago because of these dozens of six minute testimonial videos that I've been doing and the storytelling philosophy that we adopted and, and applied to these videos is actually a universally applied storytelling philosophy that has been successful for literally thousands of years. It just hasn't been put into these words before. And I, 
I don't know if you were going to ask me. Yeah, so tell me that because that's what I think is so important for people of churches of all sizes and uh, everyone can relate to. You have a, basically a formula that you use that I think is transferable to every one of us in ministry. What are those three things that you're trying to do? Yeah, so um, the, the storytelling structure slash philosophy that we used was I was, but God, and now. So every one of us uh, has that story in our real life, and it also coincidentally makes for a perfect storytelling structure. So these testimonial videos, the first two minutes or so, need to have a strong, I was, I was struggling. And we took our time to set up what that person's individual struggle was, whether it was alcoholism or a struggle with pornography or a struggle with pride, whatever it was, that person, who they were before God intruded into their lives uh, in the best way possible, we took the time to, to, to get that right. Then there's the but God. So I was um, you know, an alcoholic, but God in this moment, and there's always this, we, we called it the but God moment, which is when God did something where they were, they were typically, it was at their lowest point and got up through the form of a friend or a family member or um, something they saw in a sermon or whatever it was, something God used to, to shake them. And then, so we take our time in that, in that moment, of course. Then there's the and now. And the and now is who I am, and that's different from who I was because of the but God. And so we didn't actually do a testimonial video unless all three of those elements were present and easy to communicate. And so when you think about it, that's, that follows essentially the three-act structure that Aristotle talked about you know, so long ago. And any good movie that you see, um, any, in fact, now that I'm doing The Chosen, we, talk, we follow that structure of making sure that we're, and that's what I think people are responding to. For example, just in episode one of The Chosen alone, you introduce your, we introduce you to the disciples before their but God moment. And because we take the time with the I was moment, it makes the but God moment that much more impactful. And so that's that philosophy that I applied to those testimonial videos, something simple for my church ended up making the chosen significantly better than if I hadn't have cut my teeth uh, on those videos. Yeah, and to think about the impact that, that something like, like The Chosen is having, over a million Facebook followers, people are, who are not Christ followers are being turned on to it. And uh, I think that, that same principle you said even plays out in the music world. I mean, we have a lot of people who are in worship ministry. And um, didn't you, don't you see that playing out, those same three principles in, in songs? Yeah, I shared that with you when we had dinner a, a few months ago. Um, I started noticing it in some of the more impactful worship bands and, 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 and groups like Forking Country and Hillsong United, where you, if you think about it, uh, and we started to also apply this even just to the worship set at our church in general. So when you're choosing, let's say, five songs for the worship set, and you want by the end of that worship set to have the congregation at a certain place spiritually and, and, and being ready for the sermon or whatever. Um, I started noticing songs and worship sets were, were more impactful when they were following that structure. So you'll see um, a, a really good song doesn't just start with the chorus or start with the big climax. 
you know, it, it, it gives you typically the first verse, even musically, even when there's not lyrics, musically, it'll kind of get your mind right. It'll, it'll, there's usually a gathering moment. You know, the first song of a good worship set is oftentimes a gathering song. It's let's get our hearts right. Let's, let's be prepared for what we're about to, to listen to or what we're about to sing that's really going to go vertical. But let's first kind of get our minds right, get our hearts right. But this idea of this before, this, you know, a good song starts with kind of the laying the groundwork. And then we usually in the chorus introduce the God moment, you know, the, the, whether it's an expression to God of how great and awesome he is, or it's a, a lyric that's about something that God has done for us. God is faithful. God is, um, God is present. Whatever that is, God gives us joy. And then there's that, of course, the, the, the final part of the song, the and now, which is we, we now are, are, you know, surrendered to God, whatever, whatever that is, it, when it follows that three-act structure, um, it's that much more impactful. Yeah, I, I, I love the way that it just has an incredible carryover. Now, we, we've got a lot of people who are listening, who, who want to improve their storytelling. Maybe they're a good storyteller, they want to be a great storyteller. Maybe they're mediocre at it and they, they want to get a whole lot better. What are some lessons that you could share? We only have time for a couple of quick questions, so I want to, I want to make certain I get this answered. What are some little things that you see that could improve someone on their storytelling or, or setting things up even in a sermon, uh, in a story? Well, I think when you recognize, um, if you're a speaker or a preacher or a, or a worship leader, uh, I, I can guarantee you that you remember moments when you have said, let me tell you a story. And I can't explain it, but every time that happens, the audience or the congregation or whatever word you want to use perks up. And even just right at this very moment, if I say to you, so this morning I get out of bed and I'm walking into the bathroom, instantly your ears are perking up. Yeah. You don't know what happens next. And for, unfortunately, I don't have anything interesting to share with you from this morning, but, <laughs> but the, the fact that I just said that... The, I think we're universally tuned into, and I think God has written this on our hearts, and it's why he told parables. Um, we are, we, it, is, it is written onto our hearts to be tuned into story. And so um, that's, that's, I think, the number one principle is just to start practicing incorporating stories into your presentations more, more often, and whether you're a worship leader or, or a speaker. But the second thing is, and this is really important for, for, the, for the person who's listening or watching right now, who's part of a small, small church who, who might be thinking, I'm not, I'm not a mega church. I don't have the kind of budgets to do big elaborate videos. And I certainly can't do a short film, you know, to launch the chosen. But I tell this to people all the time. The storytelling principles are not budget re related. You can set up a camera or a, an iPhone or whatever and train it on a person's face and just simply a person telling their story and you editing, editing it into a four to six minute uh, structure you follow those principles, I'm telling you, it, it, it has an impact. And it's, it's oftentimes good to do it on video because I'm sure you've all experienced this where you get someone up to give their testimony and, and they're really nervous or they ramble like I am at this moment right now. Um, and you'd like, well, let's just get it on video so we can edit it into its, into its best form. But, but you can apply that uh, and don't worry about the, the quality of the, of the equipment. The storytelling matters and impacts people on any kind of budget level. You know, um, I, I've experienced this myself just from preaching when 
uh, where I used to preach in Louisville, they would have me on the radio every day, and I'd be at the post office, and invariably somebody would say, hey, I heard you, heard you on the radio this morning. And they would pick sermons from who knows when, and so I'd always say, well, what was it about? They, Dallas, they never told me the topic. They never told me the text. They always told me the story. And when they would tell that story, that let me know that, man, uh, that's, what, that's what got to them. Somebody said it like this, uh, points are for the head, but stories are for the heart. And uh, I want to say that we are going to be praying. The Spire family is going to be praying for you. I know you guys have a lot on your plate, uh, what you are, are tackling, the first multi season series that looks at the life of Christ. It's never been done before, and here you are in the second season. So we're going to pray that God continues to bless your storytelling, and I want all of you all to know that we pray that God will bless each of us as we strive to to inspire others by telling our stories and how it intersects with his story. Back to you, Rick. Awesome. Boy, that was uh, good stuff. I apologize for the fact that, uh, like a typical preacher, I did repeat myself in a 15-minute stretch. I forgot when we filmed that back last fall, Jeff, that that was, uh, that was what was going on. So, uh, But great stuff. Unmute, unmute yourself, Mr. Walling. And oh, that's okay. Is that the classic moment? Well, I just said, just like any good preacher, uh, you know, if you have a good story, you'll want to use it again. I mean, I, I don't hold that against you. <laughs> well, I, I appreciate that. And I'm telling you what, 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 Dallas said is gold when you when you think about the three components of a video testimony or of a of a song you know I was but God and now and that's what you want in in every testimony uh let's change gears a little bit and let's also remind everyone that uh you can watch this on demand again so if you have people on your staff or if you have a friend in Christian leadership or ministry they can go to the Spire app. They can watch this back, but uh, you're getting to see it live. So, Jeff, putting you on the spot, tell me what some of the elements are of a story that are so important that, that we make certain to have when we're telling the story in any any verbal presentation. Well, you know, uh, our guest already kind of hit right on the uh, issue that you have to start with a problem. Uh, every story, every good story begins with some kind of tension or challenge. And so if I can't identify the tension, the challenge, or maybe the puzzle, uh, and, and identify it quickly within the story, my hearers are not going to be impressed. You know, he started that story about, you know, I walked down the hallway to the bathroom. Okay, all right, fine, that's good. But I need to know, was the door locked and you couldn't get in? Did you get there and you had no toothpaste? Did you get there and there was someone in your bathroom that you didn't expect to find there? It's those moments that make our brain go, whoa, 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 something something good is about to happen. So I'd say beginning with that with that mystery, that puzzle, that, that crisis. Um, and, and let me go ahead and just say a word about beginnings, if I can, Dave. Um, the... The phrase that makes me the most frustrated when I hear a preacher, even though it can trigger something good, is, you know, it reminds me of the story about. Now, that's that's the classic line. And I'll be honest, that's that's somebody who's not working really hard to make a bridge. I mean, you know, that's like and for my next point. So when what what propels people about a story is when they see you remember it. And then you, you know, the other day, 
it's that it's that moment of remembering it because they're going like, oh, can I have some? It's like, oh, this chocolate's so good. So whatever the tension, whatever the mystery, as you introduce the story, enjoy the story in your own mind so that your hearers are prompted to lean in. There are a few things that cause us as human beings, since we were little kids, to lean in. If we heard our mom and dad go, oh, yeah, I we all went, oh, this is going to be good, right? Very different from, now, I need to tell you something. Now, that, that caused a whole nother reaction, right? So <laughs> the element of a story is, is how I'm going to start it, how I'm going to begin it with this, this mystery, this puzzle, this, this crisis, this moment that brings some tension. And, um, and, and he also made a great comment uh, uh, about the issue of I was, which basically is the problem. Uh, Dave, you're probably familiar with uh, the old company Fuller Brush. You, you remember ever hearing about the Fuller Brush company? I sure uh, do. For our, mm -hmm, for our non-wrinkled listeners, the Fuller Brush Group sold brushes door to door. Now, why does that matter? Because they had a huge challenge. Imagine a guy in 1945 or 50 with a briefcase standing at a door, knocking on a door during the middle of the day. All right. Who's going to open the door? It's not going to be the husband, right? Because he's off at work. It's going to be the wife. And he says, hi, ma'am, I'm here from, you know, Fuller Brush. No, he didn't. He would start with the problem. He'd say, ma'am, do you like cleaning toilets? To which every housewife went, oh, no, I hate cleaning. I know exactly what you mean. And before that guy was allowed to mention the toilet brush, he was taught to talk for at least a minute about the disgusting, awful, crummy job. You know, it gets on your hands. And my wife has these gloves. And I always think, how often do you wash those gloves? And she's got them laying around. But then Mr. Fuller came up with, and out of the bag comes the long-handled, easy-to-use toilet cleaner. Now, this can be heard as manipulation, but all it really is is identification of the challenge, the difficulty. Even as the director of The Chosen uses that in his films, we need to be able to use that in our stories to help folks feel that, that tough side. Does that make sense to you, Dave? It does, and it, and it leads me to a thought of... Um the setup the setup is so important before the story like you alluded to uh, we take the easy way out you know i've always heard the story or you might recall you know instead of working hard on that transitional sentence sometimes i think we we also cut out early and we abruptly switch we go from a great story a story that's an eight but we have a poor transitional sentence after it to get to what's next and we haven't built that bridge and we can take a story that's an eight to a 10 with just the right transitional sentence. Um, so I tell people, listen to comedians. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, no. Do, do yours first. Well, I was just going to say, I, I tell people I enjoy listening to comedians because I love the way they craft things. I love the way if you ever go to watch a comedian in a show, how they'll do callbacks and uh, they'll catch you off guard. Of course, every every joke, every time a person laughs, it comes back to one of three things. It comes back to surprise, truth, or exaggeration. And mm -hmm. that's what makes a story, if it's a funny story, compelling to listen to is if it has one of those things were sprinkled throughout 
all of those three things. I was listening to Kyle yesterday, Kyle Eidelman preaching, and he told a little story. He went into it by saying, you know, I don't think I've ever told you guys a story. I'm a little embarrassed to say it. And as soon as he said it, he had us. And it was about bungee jumping when he was a senior in high school. And uh, he had had a line saying something like, well, I I said, well, I'd do it, but man, it's 45 bucks. I don't have that kind of money. But one of the girls in his class went and bought a ticket and said, here you go. In other words, it's time to put up or shut up. And so that's a good example of where truth is the humor. And of course, then he exaggerated through the rest of what happened. And uh, it was very compelling. And he made a great application with it and even a callback later. Jeff, I cut you off. You started to say something. Well, you just, of course, as a great storyteller and and a great preacher, you put your finger on the two spots. You know the most dangerous part of a plane ride, right? There's two most dangerous parts, the takeoff and the landing. Very, very seldom does anything happen in between. The two most dangerous parts of telling a story for a preacher and the most important parts for any communicator is the takeoff and the landing. Now, we've talked a little bit about the takeoff, about getting into the story and, uh, and I'm going to sneak in one thing here, Dave. You talked about a story like an eight, like a 10. Uh, that's somebody who's thought a lot about stories. Most of us would say, that's a good story, you know, or that wasn't a very good story. <clears throat> Choosing the right story. Picking the right illustration. That's, 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 par- that's part of that takeoff. But even with a story that maybe doesn't fit exactly as you'd like, if you help that takeoff go well, and then if you land it well, and I said before, for me, landing is this. Well, first off, you're going to pray about it, but landing is I want the story and the application to be so connected, to be so wed together. And here's a, man, here's a simple technique from theater that, that I think can help folks. There's what's called the drop after stories, uh, especially in in sermons. You know, so I went there and finally she said, oh, no, (laughs) Uh, uh, those were just uh, peanut M&Ms. I sucked all the chocolate off them. (laughs) Right. And everybody laughs. Now, there's 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 a throwaway story like that. But just taking that last line, you know, uh, I sucked all the chocolate off them. What do you do next? What, What do you do physically if this is a key story? And by the way, I encourage you to make every story a key story, a use story, not just a, oh, I got you to laugh story. What you want to do is take the wonderful attention that is right there and not let go. How do you do that? You physically stay in the same place. If I'm telling the story and I get to this moment and I say, you know, and this is this this is this is what the guy did when he got out of that car. He went around there and he hugged his son. And that is what God, right? You stay, you, you don't say, wow, and that story shows me what God wants to do. You stay right there as though you are driving across a bridge. You do not want to veer. You do not want to shift. You want to keep going on that icy bridge to get all of them with you to that place. Otherwise, their brains go, oh, story's over. Okay, I'm going to go back to checking Facebook now again until another good story comes up. So making sure that I don't drop the energy and that I keep it from the moment I've dropped that last, as you say, surprise, touching moment, truth, and hold that moment right in there. 
If you can do the takeoff and the landing, if you can get those two well, there's much more in between, but those are the two key moments for me. Well, I'm, I'm taking notes on everything you're saying, so I'm, I've got a full page of notes here. But uh, what you just hit on is, is really important as we wrap up, and that is to stay in that moment and to carry that through and to build that bridge. Um, I, I was thinking back when COVID struck and all of a sudden everybody started watching online. Uh, people would look at the analytics. A lot of preachers would look at analytics and they would see that a person never dropped off in the middle of a story. But the the key is to keep them in that low point, just like in a a sitcom. It has, you know, ups and downs all the way through. Last question I want to ask you, uh, and it it plays into your wheelhouse. Uh, Talk about facial expression and eyes and energy, because you do an incredible job when, when you are preaching of captivating people. Some of that comes from your theater background, and I know not all of us have that. But there's something that you do. You you do things with your eyes that keep people engaged. You use your facial expressions. You use gestures that, that pull them in. Can you talk to how that plays in with storytelling? Uh, wow, that's 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 awfully kind and probably overstated. Um, and, and I would bet you, Dave, that if we went back and analyzed the tape after the game, you'd see that the face, the body, and the space, by the way, those are three distinct things for those of you who present. Hmm. You got your face. Your face is that which is most important on a call like this, right? What I'm doing with, with my face, and, and really that's not good language because I'm not trying to do anything with my face. What I'm trying to do is make sure that my face is free enough to whatever I'm thinking. If I'm thinking something good, I want it on my face. See, we train ourselves to poker face. Mm-hmm. Thank you. And you get the $10,000 raise, Bob. Well, that's great, sir. Thank you. When Bob should be going, oh, man, thank you. Thank you. Yes, exactly. You need to think like a third grader. Third graders have no poker face. They cannot have a poker face. And so if I'm in a story or if I'm sharing a lesson, I want to have the third graders transparency. Authenticity is the gold standard for our generation. And so I'm thinking about my face and then I'm thinking about my body. If the presentation is such where your body can be seen, then man, use your body. Once again, and I don't know if I can do this, but I'll see if I can pull it off. If I am in a space where you can see more of me, then what I wanna do is I want whatever that excitement in my face is to be coming out my body. Many, many preachers end up with what I call stapled at the elbows. All their, all their gestures are, are, are like this. And a simple training exercise is make sure that when you're gesturing, you're getting your elbows up. Why? That's natural. This seems weird and forced and, you know, T-Rex kind of, I don't have long enough arms. But instead, if I'm gonna say, and God's love is so broad, or, or, or God's, God's grace is so high, or his, his wisdom is so deep. I want to use face, I want to use body, and then I want to use space. And by space, I mean, okay, so I'm at a camp, or I'm in a setting where there, I can't, you know, use a fantastic moment from the chosen. But what I can do is I can put, uh, you know, Peter on my right and Paul on my left, or I can talk to someone who's hurting over here and then turn over here to talk to someone who's cynical. I can put faith over here and doubt 
over here and then oh wow i just said stripey hand that's cool and uh, and then bring them together right um there is a third grader in every one of our listeners dave i think you might be a second grader i mean just that that <laughs> natural fun and joy that comes bubbling out and if you can tap into that just think of your entire audience as wrinkled third graders and and you'll be in, in better shape because they're looking for the honest. They're not looking for the preacher voice who's going to tell about the widow who waited there believing someone would come. No, they'd much rather listen to Uncle Bob. And Uncle Bob, you know, you never quite know what Uncle Bob's going to say. There's a little bit of spontaneity in Uncle Bob, which is a little scary. That's why you have to set him by the door there at Thanksgiving so you can get him outside just in case something happens. That's actually the kind of speaking and preaching that feels like, man, I, I could have a cup of coffee. I could have a Coke, you know, with that guy. Um, it's it's one of the hardest things to train. You know, every year I run a program called the Next Gen Preacher Search, where we are working to train young men and women. Um, in fact, I'll just go ahead and do a shameless plug. It's free. It's totally free for these kids. And uh, it, they send in a five-minute video, and we get guys like mm -hmm. Dave and others to review them and give feedback. And one of the toughest things to teach them is to get them out of the, but I've got to sound like a preacher. Oh, man. God forgive me if I was one of the ones that they ever heard and thought, I've got to sound mm -hmm. like that. And your comment about comedians, so powerful. They are the storytellers of our age. Uh, if we could excise the language and the crummy stories, um, Robin Williams, brilliant. Use of voice, yeah. use of character, uh, and and we can use those same things in a story as long as we're being real. Because as soon as they catch me faking it, boom, they're like checked out. Because if you're going to fake it about that, what about when you tell me about Jesus? Was that faking it too? Great I, point. This this is this is one of those topics where, like I say, I'm teaching a I'm teaching a whole semester on this, and my mind is spinning. And I'll I'll, dro I'll drop one last piece in. Finding great stories should be your number one, two, three task during the time you're working on sermons. And there are many places out there, and today podcasts are amazing place to find great stories because there are some stories that the chosen can tell because of their ability to use the visual and there are other stories that on a podcast have to be made alive i listen to anything ira glass does uh revisionist history uh this american life uh, those are just a few great storytellers. If you can ever catch Donald Davis anywhere, former Methodist minister, an amazing, hilarious storyteller, Southern guy. These folks have honed the skill of making you see with words. And boy, that's what Jesus did. Jeff, thank you so much for, for sharing that. And uh, I've, I've got a whole lot of notes down. I take notes on every single talk that I hear. And that's where I get a lot of my great stories is because if I hear a great story from someone else, I can share that and wait for the perfect fit for it. So uh, uh, I, I love the things you share. Thanks for saying those, those uh, names for us to look up. 
uh, on podcasts. Lots of times if I'm mowing the lawn or doing something, uh, I'll just jot down what the time was, you know, 31, 22, and then I'll go back to it. And all I got to do is find the story at, at that particular spot. But uh, and if I can say, Dave, the best way to get that in your head is when you walk in the house after the uh, mowing it and hearing it, tell Beth. The quicker yeah. you can tell a story, the more it becomes yours. Now, I'm not talking about stealing the story. You can still say, man, right. I heard this thing on, uh, but repeating it quickly. Dave, you yeah, do a watch- great job of, of, of handling these interviews and kind of staying in control. And I, I appreciate I don't that. know about that. Hey, uh, Bob Russell used to, I, I watched him all week long. Yeah. He, he would tell a story. He would try a story out with the leadership team on Monday morning. Then we'd go to the worship team meeting. He'd try it again. Then we'd be in a preaching meeting on Thursday. He'd try it again. And then he would practice it three times out loud on Saturday morning. And then he'd be ready to tell it because he practiced it seven times. He'd sharpened, honed, and refined it. So uh, thank you all for joining us. I want to make certain that you're aware the 2021 Spire Conference is going to be taking place September 14th through the 16th. Uh, the rates increase on April the 1st. So please uh, download the Spire app. Go to spireconference.network. That's the easiest way to, to sign up. Our first one was uh, in Orlando. Last year, we had to do it online. This year, we're at the Gaylord Hotel Conference Center in Nashville. It is unbelievable. Mm-hmm. I was there three weeks ago, and uh, I've never seen a larger water park. I have never seen uh, greater facilities. It's it's going to be a party. It's going to be incredible. If you can come with your team, bring your team. If you can't bring your team, come by yourself, but make certain that, that you're a part of it. They've got some great speakers, Carrie Newoff, uh, Judd Wilhite, Katie Cole, uh, Dave Clayton is coming Uh, after Easter. They're announcing two other, I don't want to say big, uh, big name sounds terrible, but two other awesome speakers just like those others that they're going to be announcing after Easter. So hope that you can be a part of it. Thanks for joining us for Spirecast episode 11. Hope to see you uh, again on one of these or live in Nashville, Tennessee, September 14th to 16th. Thanks to Jeff. Thanks to Dallas Jenkins. God bless you in your ministry.